Welcome everyone to the Hark and Dermot podcast. My name is Shelley Robertson and I've been a sailor all my life. I'm also a fairly pale Scottish person and a parent of pale teenagers. So I'm very interested to learn more about the topic of skin damage, skin cancer and prevention at any age, while still being able to enjoy being outside. I'm interested and just a little bit nervous about what we're about to hear. Solar ultraviolet exposure is unavoidable in our sport. Skin damage and skin cancer, almost an inevitability, right? Well, our three guests are about to reveal not just some alarming personal stories of their experiences with skin cancer, but also some strong experts and easy to follow advice on how to minimize the effects and still enjoy the sport that we all love. We're going to speak to two of the world's best known and accomplished Grand Prix sailors. Kenny Reid, president of North Sails, America's Cup skipper, round the world sailor, and a voice many of you may recognize as America's Cup commentator. And we speak to Terry Hutchinson, skipper of the America's Cup team, American Magic, multiple world sailor of the year, one of the most decorated sailors of our time. They both share with us their own personal, at times shocking stories of skin damage caused by sun exposure. But first, we chat to the expert, founder of Harkin Derm, the esteemed dermatologist, Edith Olas Harkin. Edith has first-hand experience treating sailors and as a result was determined to develop a product that sailors could really trust. We started out by asking her how high risk, how susceptible to skin cancer the sailing community is. You know, Shirley, I always, always thought that sailors are high risk for skin cancer, and I see that at my practice. So, so a story is that when I met Peter and I told my colleagues that I, I met a sailor, they didn't care about how old he was or how handsome he was. They were, they were saying, oh my gosh, you met a sailor? Does he really have a bad skin? So we do associate sailors with a pretty, you know, high level of sun damage. Of course, it's mainly true for, for white skin, so for people who, who cannot tan and burn mainly, and also for older men. You know, for some reason, men have a higher risk for skin cancer, so we don't know exactly why. Probably women are a bit more conscious about applying sun protection, but I'm not surprised and I see it all the time. Why are sailors so, so at risk? I mean, there's other professions that are outside a lot of the time. I think it's, it's the cumulative sun damage, of course, and yes, they are construction workers and pilots are actually pretty high risk too. But somehow I think it's also the damage from the wind and the water and probably they're, they're, uh, they start early. I mean, most of the sailors start pretty early as opposed to a construction worker, for example, or a pilot goes to, goes to school, you know, and starts later. But most of the sailors start as children. And we know that early sun damage and early burn is super, super uh, dangerous too. So for sure, early sun damage and cumulative sun damage all adds together. Premature aging is one thing, but more worrying is skin cancer. How prevalent is that amongst the sailing community? 
I think it's very prevalent again for especially really light skinned people. I think it's also a problem with sailors because they always go around or especially professional sailors. So their care is a little patchy. Uh, you know, they're traveling and they don't have a regular care by a dermatologist. So it's hard for them to, to, to detect something, you know, because they don't have somebody who they see. Um, I think it's very prevalent. There are no papers about it, interestingly. When I studied heart and derm, I was looking into papers, uh, publications of, of real measurement. And interestingly, there is no real papers about uh, or statistics about sailors. Talk to us about professional sailors. They spend their life on the water. How much at danger are they? Again, those ones who who burn and have a difficulty to tan, I think I are super high risk. Especially professional sailors, obviously they become professional because they're very good what they're doing. So probably they started early. Um, and early sun exposure is super, super high risk and dangerous. So we know that, for example, um, five or more sunburns between the age of 15 and 20. So early age can increase your melanoma risk almost by 80%. So those people who have that early damage, burns, plus the cumulative damage because they're always out there are really high risk. I'm the mother of two teenagers who are so pale, Edith, they're almost see-through. One of them is on the water all the time, windsurfing, sailing, whatever it is he wants to be afloat. How worried should I be? Well, if you're a good mom, they've been using sunscreen for a long time. But I, even though I co-founded and founded the sunscreen company, nothing competes with sun protective clothing. So what I always tell mothers, whatever you can cover, cover with a rash guard. Of course, the UPF is the best. And then what is left out, like the face and neck, cover with a super, super high SPF, very water resistant sunscreen. But you can also use gaiters. So I think even that extra protection, maybe the neck area and the lower face is important. And I think if children get used to that from, from early age, and that's very important to do that, I try to teach that brush your teeth, put on your sunscreen. That is a must. Then, then it becomes a habit and it, it is really helpful. But no matter what, if your kids are the same, has to have the same complexion that you have, um, it is very difficult. How much does skin color or where you live affect your chances of developing skin cancer? Pretty much that's everything, <laughs> if, I, if I may say so. So basically the melanin, which gives us the, the skin color, um, that is an umbrella on top of our skin cells. And that is our major sunscreen, intrinsic sunscreen. So people have, that have more melanin or have a darker skin type, their risk is, gets less and less and less. People who tan very easily, you know, and right away become kind of a, um, a darker bronze color. Now, I'm not saying that they don't have any risk and they have almost the same amount of risk of skin aging 
because the UVA light still goes through and, and will age them and they get really wrinkly. But um, people with light skin have much less protection and they are much, much higher risk. Now, there is even another phenotype or the worst phenotype, unfortunately, is the red hair, very white skinned people. Because red hair people have a melanin which is called pheomelanin. It, actually, it's almost like a red or colorless melanin, okay, as opposed to the rest of us have more that called eumelanin or more darker one. So the red hair people have almost no protection, so they're super, super exposed. So, so red hair people don't belong on the sun, unfortunately. And of course, what you asked, the other, other part of the question, is the UV index and the UV index is how how powerful the sun is and that is really influenced by altitude and latitude so obviously the the quicker the sun goes down and the less atmosphere it has to go through the stronger the sun is and of course the day um, the, the time of the day between 10 and 3 o'clock because obviously it comes straight down and it's influenced by clouds and environment. Uh, snow reflects 80%. Actually, uh, water only reflects about 10% of sun, so it's not that bad because it, it sun goes through there. But obviously, the more of a lower latitude you are, the more dangerous it gets. We're going to pause Edith there and talk to a man who, in the Grand Prix world of yacht racing, is quite frankly the poster boy of sun protection. If you know Terry Hutchinson or have even seen a photograph of him, you'll get what I mean. Who would have thought you could even layer sunscreen on that thick? Terry Hutchinson, it's so good to have your input in this podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I mean, today we're talking about the risks of skin damage and cancer in sailing. I and mean, I really think it's, it's slightly a taboo subject in the sport. We all love what we do, but we don't really want to face the reality of the risks. I mean, you sail on all kinds of boats with lots of different people. What do you think the attitude is to skin protection in our world? I think how you just summed it up is, is probably about right. You know, I, people take it uh, conveniently seriously uh, when they have good sun cream on the boat um they put it on and you know but a lot of people will show up uh to the race day without sunscreen and just rely on somebody else bringing it and put on whatever uh is available and move forward from there and not really give it a second thought so you know as we you know having made my living and my work as being out in the sun you know it's one of those things that you definitely have to take a lot more seriously uh as a professional sailor but across the board, you know, I'm, I'm sure the the entire sailing community could probably do a better job with it. How aware do you think the sailing world is of the risks of the sun? I think, well, I think everybody's aware of it. Um, what we do about it is, is a different thing. And um, I know amongst my friends, you know, we're all very uh, cognizant of, of skin cancer and, and the, um, natural effects that you know happen to skin damage over the course of our careers in the course of a day and 
And the more time I've spent with a dermatologist, the more I realize the damage is done when you're when you're young and in your teen years more than it is now, because now we're smart enough that we put on our sunscreen. But back in back in those early days, um, we were less likely to do it. And so I think you getting ahead of it early is is definitely the priority. We'll get to your own story in a second, but you know, chatting to Edith, she has an alarming insight on skin damage and cancer prevalence, particularly in male sailors. In your world, Terry, what's the reality? You know, does does that stack up? I would say that every person that I've sailed with, that I raced with professionally, um, that is that is my age, you know, that is late forties, early fifties. Um, has had skin damage and, and uh, skin damage removed from their face, precancerous uh, skin removed from their face. I'd, I would I would be shocked if not one person that I you know race with consistently ha- has not had um, some type of operation to have skin removed. Wow, that's that's quite a stat. Yeah, yeah, and so it's it's. Um, yeah, I mean, even, you know, we obviously, we just got back from New Zealand and um, we went to the dermatologist there. We were there for nine months and we had three visits with him. So we went every three months. And um, certainly in New Zealand, where it's a bit more intense, um, the the need for proper uh, skin protection is really high. And it's amazing there how much more intense it is where you go out to get your coffee in the morning and it's a beautiful sunny morning and you're walking outside for 10 or 12 or 15 minutes and straight away you're getting burned. Um, here in Annapolis, it's a little less intense, but you still have to be in a spot where uh, when you get up in the morning, it's just part of the routine. Terry, if I think of some protection in the world of professional sailing, I can only really think of one man. I mean, for as long as I can remember, you've been a big time user of sunscreen. I mean, really layering it on, using neck buffs, white leggings under your shorts, you know, everything that's going. Tell us your story, Terry. You know, when did all that start and and why? Well, this doesn't just happen, Shirley, all right? (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, I don't, I'm pretty fair skinned and I had um, some pretty bad experiences when I was a kid with blistering and, and such. And just over the course of time, knowing how much time I was spending in the sun, um, I just started to come across sunscreens and, and applications that worked really, really well. And I think it was in 2000 when I did the first, um, America's Cup in New Zealand, where, you know, it was really, really intense. And we were on the water in the version five boats for long days, you know, you had to protect yourself. And what you found at the end of the day was if you were exposed and, and, um, you were getting beaten down by the sun and coming off the water with sunburn, you know, it'd have a knock on effect to your performance on the day. And so it was as much about making sure that, that, um, you know, I wasn't getting, getting burned and wasn't, you know, decreasing the performance over the coming days of a regatta because you were worn down by the sun. And then from there, um, you know, through, I guess, mid 2010 and up to 2000 to where we are right now, I've had a couple of operations on my face where, you know, both sides, I have skin removed, 
you know, I've had stitches down the left side of my face where, you know, the, the smallest amount was taken out and the scar is from, you know, the scar is that long down the side of my face. And I still have this year, I have to face a skin peel, you know, where the dermatologist said, you know, you need to lock out six weeks out of the sun where you, you know, you go through the whole process. I've had things burned off the top of my left lip have done the full chemical peel there, which is horrendous. And so you just know that over the, over the course of time, um, and that's with me, you know, for 25 years have taken it reasonably seriously, as you rightfully point out, sometimes, you know, you come off the boat and you don't know what's coming at you because it's so caked on with sunscreen or zinc oxide. And so it's, um, yeah, I mean, that's a, and that's one of those things when, when I look back at it, it was probably more from a performance perspective and not coming off the water, just beaten. Why have you had those treatments? Are, are they precautionary or, or necessary? Uh, necessary. So every time I've had it done, it's been because there's been precancerous skin and the dermatologists are quite aggressive with, you know, trying to get all of it off of me. And, you know, the one in particular on the side of my face was interesting because it was teeny and it ended up being, you know, there was, it was 11 big stitches down the side of my face. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they took out quite a bit for as small as it was. So, you know, it's always to try to stay out in front of it and not be in a situation where it, where, you know, where the cancer evolves. So. I mean, we're, we're the same age. Terry and I guess we you know we grew up sailing when it was sort of a rite of passage to have a bright red nose and you know, peeling skin I mean what advice would you give parents now of, of kids I mean how you know how adamant are you of, of skin protection well with Mark with our own kids you know it was when they got up in the morning the first thing you do is lather them up because especially on the face and the neck and the ears, the, um, and then we always provided, uh, lightweight rash guards so that, you know, the rest of their body's not getting burned. And it's, we live in, you know, in a climate that is in the summers, it's brutally hot and humid. And so having, um, having the right sunscreens and having the right, um, skin protection is paramount because the kids just get fried. And so ours was as much as anything, trying to make it part of the morning routine when they're eating their breakfast and, and uh, not let them out of the house without it on. What's been your experience over the years of, of finding the right products? I mean, what do you think works in our environment and, and what doesn't? Mm. Well, I've always been, you know, <laughs> I, I think the zinc oxide based products have been pretty nice because the first thing is it goes on thick, which is a bit, you know, it's hard. Uh, when you, I used to have a, a full zinc paste that I would put across my cheeks and nose and up on the side of my face. And, and, uh, at the end of the day, it was, you know, it doesn't let your skin breathe and it's difficult on the best of days because you just get hot and sweaty and nasty. Um, but a combination now of something that I know that I can put on and it's going to last for more than you know, 65 or 70 minutes, you know, something that I can put on and see that it's still on and see that it's going to last and, and feel like I'm being protected. And you can tell, I mean, for me, I can tell at the end of the day, how good or bad of a job I did be based on how I'm feeling 
you know, if I come off the water and I'm feeling burned and I'm feeling tired, you know, it's probably a pretty good indication that I didn't put enough on. That's interesting, isn't it? That you say it's, I mean, it's not just about protecting your skin, but it's also, it's also safeguarding your performance in a way. Yeah. And that's a, you know, the knock on effect, especially as, as I get older and still have the expectations of competing at a high level. Um, you know, you're looking for every ounce of competitive advantage that you can possibly have. And um, the knock on effect of getting burned and getting whipped, you know, that'll carry on for three or four days into a regatta. And generally speaking, it's on the last days that you need to be your best. And so having that decrease is not what you're after. Terry, your team, American Magic, partnered with Harkendarm for the 36th America's Cup. Why did you trust their products to protect your team? Uh, well, that's a great question. I mean, it, it happened in a roundabout way. Um, Edith was quite um, persistent, first of all. And, um, but the more I spoke to her and developed that personal relationship, the more you realized how much she invested, um, not only of her, um, you know, her professional background as a dermatologist, but how much they'd actually invested in research and development and then try to understand um, the, you know, what was the right type of sunscreen. Um, and like everything, I mean, each one of us is very particular to, you know, our pre-race routine and what we like and what we do. And so I was, you know, I'm a creature of habit. And I always was one of those that I was probably a bit skeptical at first. And then I started using it. And, you know, straight away, what I liked about it was um, I could see it on my face. So I knew I was covered. I could see where I was covered. Um, it goes on heavy, but your skin can still breathe. And so, you know, when you're you know, on an AC 75, as an example, when you're ripping around at 40 knots and you're grinding and you're working and you're sweating, um, you know, you with my typical sunscreen where it was, you know, clogging my pores and stuff, um, you know, it just has a different feel to it, but it does go on to a spot that you can feel that it's on your skin. And for me, you know, I like the fact that I know that I'm covered and then the, you know, the after, um, sailing product that you can put on your skin to kind of help clean it off as well. You know, I, I'm not one to do that much, but you know, it was one of those, once you get a little bit into the habit of, and you get into the routine of it, you just make it part of it and straight away, you know, you can see the positive gains that you're making with it. But I, you know, New Zealand by far was the harshest environment for, um, for the sun and, you know, the, the sunscreen that, that she provided to us was, you know, beyond expectations, which was awesome. And just lastly, Terry, I mean, what, a, what advice would you give the sailing community on, on, skin protection well i <laughs> it's a great question because we had a a 13 year old opti sailor uh racing with us this past weekend and i said to him you know as we're going out of the house i said you got your sunscreen on he's like oh i don't wear sunscreen it's like all right well when you're racing with me i'm responsible for you so you have to put your sunscreen on you're not getting out of the car until you have your sunscreen on and <clears throat> you know the knock-on effects um of not doing that you know, it, it can be life-threatening and it can kill you. And so it seems like a pretty 
easy thing to do in the grand scheme of things. And being on the, you know, being older now, you know, you can see the uh, knock on effects of the skin damage. And so in my mind, and as we've instilled in our kids, you know, you can't start soon enough. And, um, you know, so there's kind of the health side of it. And then there's the performance side and, you know, physically the knock on effects of being beaten down by the sun and not protecting yourself. Um, I can wholeheartedly say has a detriment to the performance. And so, you know, to me, there's two areas of gain there. Terry Hutchison, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure as always. Thank you. Thanks, Shirley. Terry Hutchinson, always with one eye on performance. It's been so good to hear Terry's story. We're going to go back to Edith now to talk about the sun. I asked Edith just how damaging the sun can be to unprotected skin. Okay, so so first of all, the sun is a is a range of electromagnetic radiation. Okay, so we have the UV light, we have the visible light, and we have the infrared light. And UV light is only five percent. Okay, about forty five is visible, and the rest is infrared, which gives us the heat. So UV light, only 5% of UV light is UVB, 95 is UVA, and the UVC we don't have to worry about, mainly because it's, it's filtered out by the ozone light. So the easiest to explain, and what I say my patients, that UVB are the burning rays, okay? UVB rays don't go very deep, but they're the mainly that harm the DNA and gives you skin cancer. UVA rays, UVB rays are much influenced by UV index, okay? So they get stronger during the day or get stronger in, in uh, down south. UVA rays kind of stay the same strength and they go much deeper and they're the one who harm the skin mainly through oxidative damage. So free oxygen radicals, they chop up the collagen, so they're the one who give you wrinkle and um, they oxidize lipids, so makes your skin really dry. They also give you the brown spots, you know, they make the melanin production. They're, they're, the, they're the silent weapons, okay? Because UVB rays, they burn you so they will know about it, but UVA rays, you kind of don't feel. Uh, we know, number-wise, you know, we know ex that, that the WHO declared sun or UV radiation carcinogenic. So it's a no-brainer. We know it causes cancer. On the flip side too, we also know, and we have really good studies showing that decreasing sun exposure does decrease your cancer, uh, cancer risk. And probably the best study was the, the, the Australian, you know, uh, study when they, they studied their campaign about the um, uh, sleep, slap, slop campaign. And in 10 years, they really could decrease the melanoma uh, prevalence. Um, we also studied, for example, these um, transplant patients that are really high risk, so it's easier to study because they have much more skin cancer developing. If they used really strict sun protection, we could totally, totally reduce their new skin cancer numbers. So we have all very good, very good statistics about that sun protection does help. Okay, so you walk into a, a drugstore or a supermarket, you're dashing in there to buy your last minute sunscreen. What should you be looking for in the product? 
Yes, and I'm so happy you asked that because this is what people ask me when I went on a boat with Peter and sailors want to know, and that is the exact reason why I funded Harkin Durham. And when people said, what are you doing? I mean, in the U.S. there's 2,000 skews of sunscreen and, and, and you never made money on sailors. I said, because I feel like it's the paradox of choice. Too many options and not much education. And I feel like because you guys are so high risk, I felt like if I can give you the best choice or a trusted choice, I can help to, to ease that decision. So what are you looking at? You're looking at the SPF, you're looking at broad spectrum, you're looking at water resistance, and you're looking at active ingredients. And as an added bonus, I like to look at antioxidants, but that's just kind of the topping on the cake. So SPF, go high as, as possible, because you never apply the same amount as the testing was done, so you go as high as possible. Broad spectrum, again, you remember SPF only measures UVB. So if you want to make sure that you have UVA coverage as well, you need to look for the broad spectrum designation. For sailors, for sure, um, water resistance. And not just because you're maybe splashed by water, just because you're an athlete, you get sweaty. You don't want anything what comes off your face very easily. And, um, and the most important are the ingredients. Again, in the United States, we are lucky because the FDA requires to list the active ingredients or the UV filter separately. Other countries in Europe, you're out of luck because these are long names, super difficult to remember, and you have to kind of find them because the ingredients are listed based on their concentration or amount in that formulation. So my favorite ingredients, hands down, no brainer, is zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. I have to tell you why, and that's another kind of a, a, a very important explanation. And But this is in the United States. In Europe, there are some chemical filters that are actually pretty good and provide very broad coverage. Unfortunately, they are not allowed in the United States. What about things to avoid when you're choosing your sunscreen? I would say that uh, there are two ingredients that we do have evidence that that um, are harmful for the marine environment, especially for the coral. So obviously, there it's a similar debate as uh, as pollution, air pollution. Is there enough, you know, emission? What's the concentration? But what I tell my patients, or especially sailors, that if you're in a marine environment, why to use something which we know that can be harmful. So oxybenzone and octinoxate, and sorry about those names, but unfortunately they have different names in Europe. In Europe, oxybenzone is benzophenone 3 and octinoxate is octylmethoxycinamate. So there you go, how are you gonna find that? So and this for this reason, although there are other chemical filters that are not as harmful, I just steer everybody towards the mineral filters because they, we know for sure they're safe, so it's easier to choose. Otherwise, you're gonna have to go and decode and find these ingredients. So it's not just about putting high SPF sunscreen on, it's also vitally important to know what's actually in it. 
Our next guest is a man who spent almost his entire career out on the water and it's taken its toll. Kenny Reid, I really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here as always and uh, as you can see by my nose, I am the poster child for, for the subject, the subject at hand. Well, we know you have a story to tell, but we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. Your whole life has been spent sailing all kinds of boats with all kinds of sailors all over the planet and also a few times around the planet. What's your sense of how serious skin protection is actually taken within our sport? Oh, I, I think actually reasonably, uh, I think it's quite a high priority at this stage. People, uh, pe people for sure, um, do their reading they do their homework but the bottom line is what used to be cool in the good old days you know when i when i grew up uh, my mother put what was called sea and ski on me there was no such thing as sunscreen um it was to actually make you brown instead of red um you know you were judged it was kind of cool and how many times your nose peeled and you know can how, how often your back peeled and things like that those days are long gone i i think kids today my daughter uh, young kids, they get it. They understand how important this is. They understand that the problem's gotten worse over time, uh, obviously. And um, I think it's pretty, I think it's well thought of at this stage and, and people think it through. I've known you a while, Kenny, and I think I've never seen you without a tan. I mean, so often when I see you, you're just back from St. Bart's, the Sydney Hobart, the Transpac, you know, yada, yada. I mean, a lifetime spent in the sun. Throughout your sailing life, what's been your attitude to protecting your skin whilst racing? I don't think I took it seriously until I was in my mid to late 20s. Um, vanity is part of it you know you, you get to you're in university and all of a sudden you get to go hang out in florida for a week and you want to come back tan in front of all your friends back at school uh um when i was a little kid sailing nobody even thought about it nobody cared uh um as the years have gone on it becomes worse and worse of a problem to the point where you see a dermatologist once a year and then twice a year and now in my case four times a year and every time you walk in, they're saying, Oof, you got a problem. So, you know, wake up calls happen when all of a sudden you're getting operated on and, and taking uh, chunks of your body apart to, to, to try to figure out if you have big, bigger problems. So uh, fear, fear, is a great, fear is a great factor when it comes to tr finally teaching you a lesson. Let's put it that way. Well, a few months ago, we worked together at the America's Cup and your, your skin issues were a big topic of conversation um, during our tea breaks. When did you realize something was wrong and that you needed to take action? Tell us, tell us your own personal story, Kenny. Well, it was probably about 15 or so years ago when um, I started getting big dry patches on my face. And I, 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 I had been going to a dermatologist for a long time and then, um, you know, there were different remedies and then all of a sudden they find little spots and it wasn't until the knife came out. And um, what's used around here quite often is called Mohs. Mohs, it means they've found something that's probably a, ba that is a basal cell, which that is the, that's the bad stuff that, that can turn bad quickly. And, um, and you go into the office and they actually, uh, 
literally, this is going to be gross, but they take a slice out of you. They go and do a biopsy right there. And, and you wait about 20 minutes to a half an hour and they say, no, we didn't get it all or we got it all. And they go back again. I've had, I've had Mo's uh, experiences where they've had to go in five times and just slicing deeper and deeper and deeper. And, you know, I, I don't go outside without a hat now. I, I don't, I, it's, you know, is that ridiculous to say at my age? They say the damage is done when you're young, by the way. So all of you with young kids, uh, that that's when to really protect you. I'm probably too, too far gone at this stage. <laughs> but um, listen, I, you got to take it serious, especially when you find places like the end of your nose, which supposedly is a really bad spot for basal cell. And they just went in this, this was almost a month ago. And um, it's taken a long time to heal because it was 17 stitches to get to, to go through this Mohs process. So anyway, good for them to, my, my doctor is, has a reputation of, of being a, they call him the cutter. He, he went in doubt, he goes in and cuts it out and I'm all for it. Go for it. I, I'm, I'm long beyond being vain about how I look and, uh, you know, should have taken this more seriously a long, long time ago. What's the prognosis? I mean, how does it how does it work ongoing from here? Uh, the, it's it's really just spot checks at this stage for for me anyway. At least in my experience, uh, you go in and and you they they take photos of all the parts that that they have uh, poked around. Um, you know, there, there's the, you get the uh, spray where they they'll uh, I forget what it's called. Um, Freon or something like that and and that's how they get the little flaky spots off but it's the it's the spots that either won't heal or are are, are kind of hurt you know that's what he keeps saying does that hurt does that hurt no 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 I, I, I mean I had a Mose on my arm I, I have a scar on my arm that's an inch and a half long so it's not just on your face and it's not and it's on parts of your body that may not be uh, that may not even be access to uh to the sun so the sun is one part of it but certainly there's many other forms and fashions of, of skin cancer talking to Edith, i mean it was pretty alarming the rate of cases of pre-cancer or full-on cancer amongst sailors i mean especially male sailors amongst your peers kenny you know paint the picture is is what you're experiencing common I think so. Um, you know, Kima Worthington used to live right down the street and we used to compare stories. You know, we used to go to the same dermatologist and, you know, he sailed around the world and was out, was out in the sun all the time. So, uh, no, I, I think this is quite common. Um, my dermatologist jokes that if it weren't for sailors, he'd be broke. And, and I personally have paid his way, his kids, uh, way through college. <laughs> um, I guess that's kind of funny. Um, yeah, we got to take it serious, but but the bottom line is we're we're now at least in in my I think the older you get, you're more in a let's keep it from getting really bad stage. Again, I can't. I think the big part of and I've talked to Edith a lot, and she 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 is she's a star when it comes to this stuff. Um, but it's how to prevent your kids from becoming addicted to the sun. You know, the good old days of going out and laying on the beach and everything. I, I see people laying on the beach and I cringe at this stage. Uh, it, it's, uh, it, you don't know the damage you're doing to yourself. And so it's, 
the younger the younger you are the more you got to know about this and parents beware don't let your kids make the same mistakes that that our parents did but didn't know nobody nobody like i said before they didn't know they they didn't know back then that this was even going to be a problem there was no such thing as a dermatologist back then never how would you summarize your approach now to protecting your skin I get up in the morning, I put sunscreen on every single day. So every time you saw me down in uh, New Zealand, I had sunscreen on. And then uh, if I'm going sailing that day, I'll, I'll put on a second layer for sure. And I'm, you know, those big floppy hats that I always used to make fun of on everybody all the time. Well, I own a few of them now. And uh, if I can wear that in the course of the day, I do. But if not, it's a good old fashioned baseball hat. And I do not I don't leave the house without sunscreen on, at least on my face every single day. And uh, like I said, I wish I had, that, that's the reason to be on with you right now. I wish I had figured this out a, a long time before I, I did. Kenny, when you get on a race boat now with a lot of crew, I mean, what's the general attitude towards sun protection? How many of them are, uh, you know, bringing their own products and, and really taking care? I think more and more people are actually bringing their own products now. And I, I, I even a couple of years ago, I would have said nobody. Uh, it, every boat in the world has, you know, sometimes a scary amount of tubes of sunscreen all over the cockpit and all the bags, everything else. So that that's not a, that's not a problem. I, I, I can't remember seeing anybody uh, not put sunscreen on for, for a while now. Um, but yeah, it has, I think people are showing up kind of with their own product, with their own recommended product that they like. Um, I do now. So that, that says something. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, no, I think sailors get it. You don't want to be fried. You know, the old days, they call it, we called it raccoon eyes, right? That, I mean, there were years where I, there, there wasn't a moment, there wasn't a day out of the year that I didn't have raccoon eyes because I thought it was normal. Well, sure enough, it's normal if you don't put sunscreen all over your face and try to keep it as protected as inside of your sunglasses. Nobody really kind of told me that. Maybe I wasn't smart enough to figure it out on my own or, or early enough. But uh, no, I, you don't see raccoon eyes anymore. And, and that's, a, that's a good sign. And, and that means people are getting it. There's no question. What advice would you give a, a young Kenny Reed, knowing what you know now? The floppy hats that we always made fun of are not silly. They, they can save your life, first of all. And uh, it's not just your face. The tips of your ears are really bad, a really big focus point for me because a baseball hat kind of tucks your hair away. Uh, you mentioned that men ha are more susceptible, maybe because we have less hair protecting ourselves uh, around our face. Um, so yeah, don't, it, it's not embarrassing. It's not vain to be dark and it's, it's not cool to be dark in, in, in uh, skin tone from the sun. And it's also, uh, it's, you know, wear protection. The, the, you see a lot of kids wearing now uh, full length uh, shirts. Um, I think people are, I think people are getting it. I, I really do. Is it enough? They, they're not going to know for another 40, 50 years. But uh, but you sure got to figure that it's it's gotten a whole lot better over the last uh, bunch of years. Kenny Reed, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. My pleasure. Anytime. Kenny Reed, always a man to put things in perspective. He's one of the real trusted spokesmen of our sport. 
Youngsters, if you won't listen to your mum and dad about sunscreen, then listen to Kenny Reid. He knows what he's talking about. We're going to finish up back with Edith. I asked her about the creation of Harkandarm, her motivation, and just what she was trying to achieve. You know, when, when I started to go with Peter on, on boats, we were invited the bucket or we invited on chase boats and, and, and it turned out that I was a dermatologist. I suddenly got a lot of questions about, about sunscreens, especially, of course, from the women on the boat. I just realized that first of all, there were a lot of bad sunscreen on the boats. You remember they're always in the drawer or in a basket and then almost all of them expired and, and they were not the best type. And then at the end, I found myself um, giving a lot of advice and I felt like there was definitely a, a need for people to know what a good sunscreen is in this, in this sailing world. Just summarize perhaps, you know, the attributes you wanted for Harkandarm, what was important for you? So, you know, of course I did a bit of a, not a bit, but I did a fair amount of market research, just asking the sailors what they want and what's most important for them. And of course they wanted something what works. I mean, that is a, that's pretty much the most important thing. The other, they wanted something that doesn't drop or drip. Uh, so not very liquidy because they don't want to deal with um, dripping on the on the surfaces in the boat or staining. They didn't want anything very oily or greasy because you don't want your face or your hands to be like that. And of course, they wanted something that lasts all day long because who has time to reapply? Um, so back when I started, honestly, there was not much... Uh, knowledge about the marine environmental effects of sunscreen filters but i gotta tell you that i knew because i'm a dermatologist that we never ever recommend chemical filters for children and uh, we knew for decades now that some chemical filters have some hormonal effects i also knew that hands down mineral sunscreen uh, mineral filter so zinc oxide has the best coverage in the united states so I always knew that I wanted only mineral filters, zinc oxide there and added titanium dioxide because it adds a little push for the UVB protection. I have to tell you, when I was starting formulating and talking to people, everybody told me, oh, put on some chemical filters because you get a higher SPF, you get more cosmetic elegance because of course chemical filters are transparent, they're much cheaper as opposed to zinc and titanium dioxide have that opaque uh, look and much more expensive and difficult to formulate and i'm just until now i'm just so happy that i insisted not to do that and i said i wait i want to take my time but i want the old mineral filter or 100 percent mineral filter sunscreen and surely guess what we launched may sort of soft launch May 2018 and it was the same month when Hawaii banned oxybenzone and octinoxate and I was just like I knew it you know uh, and of course then other other areas started to ban it to Key West although it got reversed now because of political issues but Palau, US, uh, US Virgin Islands so there is a lot of a lot of knowledge now about certain chemical filters harming marine environment and also getting absorbed into the blood. Edith, if I'm sailing, 
I want to put it on once in the morning and not think about it for the rest of the day. Is that is that being unrealistic? Honestly, not really. And there are some studies now that showing that that some sunscreens. Um, I have to whisper Harkenderm also because officially we can't claim it in the United States. But now there are studies showing that sunscreens can last all day long, and there this is kind of a push to the FDA to get away from that reapply every two hours mandatory recommendation. It has to, you know, we have to say that. It's not unrealistic. For example, Harkenderm is formulated with a, um, almost like permanent makeup film forming technology. So once uh, you put it on, you actually have to work it pretty quickly because it dries so quickly. Once it dries, uh, it's very difficult to move it. So, for example, if it's tricky, it will just sit there um, and it will not move. So it will not go into your eyes and and not going to burn your eyes. And the nice thing with, with the mineral filters that they're as long as they're there on the surface of your skin, they will work. They'll reflect and they also absorb and scatter light. As opposed to chemical filters, they get absorbed and and you don't know whether they're washed off or not. I mean, Harkenderm, you will see it's still on there, you know? So it is a super high performance sunscreen. Again, I did not formulate it, this for ladies going on Wall Street to work, okay? This is for athletes on the water and it's not unrealistic to say that it can last all day long. As long as you apply enough in the beginning, and if you are really like diving or snorkeling or doing things like surfing and always on the water, you may have to reapply once. Edith, what are the areas, what are the danger areas when we're putting on sunscreen? What areas do we miss with sunscreen? Yeah, that's, that's a super good question. So there are studies show, first of all, that almost everybody misses um, areas when they apply sunscreen if they don't do two layers okay i don't like to do two layers with harkenderm because i always say that it goes on fairly white at the beginning so especially mothers love it i i've been told by mothers we really like it because when we put it on the kids we can see what we missed but then it blends in really nicely but areas people miss is usually you know this here and the, the nasal bridge, you know, um, the ears, guys never apply sunscreen on their ears. And of course, like we have hair, but they don't. And if they only wear a cap and not a hat, ear is, is super high risk. The neck, you know, so side of the neck, back of the neck, and of course the lips. So the sort, sort of like a T or age zone, we say, is much higher risk for skin cancer than other areas just because skin cancer, if develops, it spreads faster. So nose, lips, ears, and, and sort of in front of the ears and the neck. Is it actually realistic that we can enjoy our sport and look after our skin? Or is it just damage limitation? So, I think it's realistic, but you just gonna have to, I, th I think it's a lot of work. No doubt about that. It's a lot of work. And you also have to understand that, of course, sunscreen is number one, two, three, four, five most important anti-aging, uh, you know, um, cream you can apply and of course prevents from skin cancer. 
but you will have to sort of what I, I also try to educate people that that skincare for a sailor or somebody who's all out on the sun is a two-step process I would like to say daytime protection nighttime repair okay so so the skin is actually interesting it's like our body our brain during the day you know works works protects itself the pores close down and and you know they don't don't do any repair and then in the evening the pores open up and like your body recovers your skin recovers during the night so it's super important that at night you actually put on something that will help to repair the, the damage because no matter what there is always some damage okay so you need a super good antioxidant you try to avoid those ingredients I told you retinoic acid retinol alpha hydroxy acid that are sensitizing you want a super good moisturizer that repairs that barrier because it's like a brick and mortar that's what protects your skin so so that is I always say the second line of defense okay so you have to put one and two together in order to get a healthy skin when you are always on the sun Edith, with so much knowledge in this topic, what's the one word of advice that you'd give our listeners? That, um, I think the one word is sunscreen, sun protection. <laughs> I mean, it is uh, when, I, when people ask me, what, women ask me, oh, what's your favorite anti-aging cream? Sunscreen, I mean, and, and just be sun smart, you know, it's just being sun smart to, to, to do your best. And, and I love the sun, but, uh, but people who are really are, are light skinned and you, and also know your risk, you know, you know your risk. If you're not that high risk, you can get away with a lot more than if you have skin like you, surely, you know, and, or Jimmy. Uh, um, and if you're high risk, you just really, it's hard work, but you, it's worth to do. Everything you do at any age, you start the intervention, it will help. So never give up, you know, basically. <laughs> never too late. Good advice from Edith Oles Harkin. Fascinating and an incredible passion and energy to make a difference to our sailing community. From the rest of the sailing world, thank you. You're a real champion of skin health in our sport. It's really appreciated. To Terry and Kenny, thank you for your time and your brutal honesty. If you want to know more about Harkenderm or purchase any of the products, then please head over to the Harkenderm website at harkenderm.com. Also, if you have any questions or feedback about this podcast or want to reach out, feel free to make contact via the contact link on the Harkenderm website. It would be really great to hear from you. This podcast was produced and edited by Tim at Vertigo Films and presented by me, Shirley Robertson. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your sailing, but please look after your skin, everyone. <laughs>